Good evening and welcome to the television graveyard. Ah, uh, this is a weird month. It is a weird month. We've moved out of the television graveyard. We are in the adjacent film flop mortuary. And uh, it, it's February, so you know what that means, kids. It's Razzie Month! You knew. You knew what that meant. <laughs> what? You said you know what that means, kids. And of course, everyone knows that February is Razzie Month. It's everyone knows that. And if you don't, get on our level. Exactly. So it is Razzie Month, which means that we are uh, breaking form. We're going to stay under the Stay Doomed name. So this is still Stay Doomed, and I am still Laura Prince. And that's still Noah Houlihan. And we are still going to talk about things that just plain didn't do all that well. Yes, it is Razzie Month. So every year it is my tradition that I watch the five films nominated for Worst Picture. And I have dragged Lara into this well of sadness and grime. And now she also joins me in my quest to have a bad time. I I think these are really fun. This is my second year. Yes. Doing every... Third year. Third year? Is your third year? Yeah, there are, I watched yes, both Fifty Shades of Grey movies. Yes. So, this is my third year of watching all of the Razzie-nominated movies, or Razzie-nominated Worst Picture movies, because uh, there's a lot of categories and we just don't have time. Mm-hmm. And uh, this week we're doing The Happy Time Murders. Yes, The Happy Time Murders. Now, here's something that I end up saying a lot when it comes to a Razzie movie. I always say, I don't... Th- it, this is the movie 43 rule. A, a movie should not be condemned for being what it promises. So, I would like to start by asking you, before we watch The Happy Time Murders, what did you think we were going to see? A crass puppet comedy. Yes, I thought it was going to be hard R, gross-out humor... Comedy. And uh, we kind of get that. Yeah, I I think the marketing of this movie and certain aspects of the script do the movie injustice. Yes, because I remember I wanted to see this in theaters and then the reviews came out and I was like, oh, bummer. Yeah. And then I didn't see it until now. And I, I want to point out to our listeners is we watched this on Amazon Prime and... Amazon Prime listed that the IMDb score is 5.3. Yes. But on Amazon, it had three and a half stars, which I found suspicious. Yeah, I mean, usually the um, the viewer scores are a little bit more forgiving than the critical scores. Okay, all right. Plus, I know sometimes, like, Five stars, the DVD showed up on time. Is is a common uh, Amazon score. Yeah, so. that'll happen. Sometimes it's like, hey, uh, it was a good case. Yeah. I liked the fact that the case was pretty. Yeah, it worked perfectly in my DVD player. Like, that. those pop up every now and then. Well, sometimes when you buy them used, you kind of get that, like, good seller arrived on time because yeah. when, you, uh, when you beg them to review... And, like, it's not a review of the film, necessarily. Yeah. So, uh, how do you want to jump into this? Do you want to just uh, dive in head first here? Um, sure. Um, I 
What what were your first impression? Like first blush. We're not going to do our normal like summarize the whole movie. My first impression of this was, hey, helicopter shot. Because we start with a helicopter shot and you can see the puppet driving. And I was like, wow, you could have easily just not shown the driver in this shot. But they went the extra mile to make sure you could see the puppet in a helicopter shot driving. Right. And I was like, huh, that's kind of quality. And you really should expect that because this is a Henson movie. Um, yes. This is a Brian Henson movie. Yes. Uh, Brian is Jim's son. Yes. And Brian is actually, Brian Henson is well known for pioneering puppet effects. Mm -hmm. The uh, famous bicycle shot in the Muppet movie, Brian Henson. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, Brian Henson also, if I recall correctly, um, directed both Muppet Christmas Carol and Muppet Treasure Island. Yes. So this isn't just like some butt munch off the street. Mm Mm-hmm. Coming in and being like, well, I'm going to do a filthy puppet movie. It's also interesting to note that this is the first movie he's directed since Muppet Treasure Island. So yes. that's a long time to just kind of be gone. That's about 22 years. Yeah. Um. Now, Happy Time Murders has existed in some format for almost a decade. Really? Yeah. I mean, I heard about this script ages ago. This movie was in development forever. Yeah. And when they first were talking about it, uh, different people were attached to the movie over the years. Mm-hmm. But it was totally my jam. Yeah. Because the central conceit of this film is that there is a uh, a TV show called The Happy Time Gang, which is like a children's television show. Ch- child, like, maybe not just kids. Like a family show. Yeah. Something much like, it seems a little more juvenile than The Muppet Show. Mm-hmm. But maybe something more of like a Muppets Tonight. Yeah, it, it seems sitcom-y. Yes. Because there's a character... Uh, Alf, maybe, might be tonally. Yeah, more more close to Alf. Because the character Officer Shenanigans, uh, his tagline is, you're under arrest for being too hot to handle. Yeah. So you wouldn't say that in like a children's children's show. Yeah, so it's like a family show. Yeah, it's, it's a sitcom. And... Uh, the characters begin, the actors begin to uh, be killed off. Yes. And then a puppet P.I. and his human partner yes. are on the case. This is the conceit of the movie. This is not necessarily uh, an accurate summary of the movie. Yes. But this was the elevator pitch of the film. Now, when you listen to that, where it's like, it's Muppets that getting killed, and then a Muppet teams with a human to uh, investigate, what film comes to mind? Wait, repeat that? It is puppets being killed, Mm -hmm. and then a puppet and a human team up together to solve crimes. This should invoke Roger Rabbit. Yes, okay. Sorry, I like, I got hung up on puppet. Yeah, I understand. And didn't quite, I get what you mean. It's Eddie Valiant, it's tunes, okay. Yeah. So I went in expecting this to fully be Roger Rabbit. However, the opening sequence where I mentioned earlier where he's driving around is very close to one of the opening sequences to Bright. And it's very interesting because some of the themes... It is very, very similar to Bright. I actually, I got that in the uh, initial establishing Mm -hmm. when, like, the world-building scenes at the beginning. Uh, Puppets are... It's a little bit like... 
in the Muppet movie, in the 2011 Muppets, yeah, um, some people are just Muppets. Yeah. And that's just accepted and that's how the world is. But mm-hmm. in the Muppet movie in 2011, it's kind of like, oh, some people are Muppets and that's okay because that's a yeah. cheerful children's PG movie. In this, um, puppets are treated as second-class citizens. Yeah, because another, like, conceit of Roger Rabbit, at least I've always felt this way, is toons and humans do interact, but not often. Right. Like, there's an area close to Toontown where there's some bleed over. Like, I think the, the, (laughs) the feeling you're supposed to get when you see Roger Rabbit is, this is happening in the real world, just not my town. Right. This is a Hollywood thing. With this movie and with Bright, it's like, no, no, no. These two species, basically, live together and it's not always great. Right. And it does this amazing thing. And I love this about this movie is uh, it's not going to take time to explain to you how this world works. You're going to learn how it goes along and you'll probably find it funny. But it's normal to everyone around them. Yeah. And I love that. Which is kind of good fantasy world building. Mm -hmm. Good, like... It's good fantasy, good science fiction world building in a way of not stopping and explaining a lot of it. Mm Mm-hmm. So, everyone's pretty racist toward puppets. Yes. I guess it's fantasy racism. Yeah, yeah. Much like Bright. Yeah, like we just see puppets not being treated well. Sock is the, a dessert. Sock is a slur that they use yeah. for them. Uh, so yeah, the puppets are second class citizens. Absolutely. And there is a line, something along the lines of... Uh... Look, times have changed. You don't have to sing and dance for the man anymore. Of course I don't have to. I want to. Because that's what puppets do. Hiya, folks. Kind of implying, like, them being part of the community is semi-new? Yeah, I mean, the the P.I. says that, to contextualize that, the P.I. says this to a, uh, essentially a busker. Yeah. A, uh, an older male puppet who's, like, dancing on the street, mm-hmm. begging for change. Yeah. And, like, talking about singing and dancing, and the P.I. is, like, very uncomfortable with that. Yeah. And our P.I. is named Phil Phillips. Because uh, this film is very much a noir. Yes. It has a lot of the noir trappings. Mm-hmm. Because we have our femme fatale who shows up. Sandra White. Sandra White. And she's clearly nothing but trouble. Yeah. And she's also, I want to point out, very much modeled to look like, say it with me, Jessica, Jessica Rabbit. Rabbit. <laughs> the red hair, the very, like, aggressive purple eyeshadow. Yes. The over-sexuality. Yeah. I mean, she is very much... To the point where, like, her overt sexuality is a huge part of her character. Yes. Um, And that's clearly a Jessica Rabbit influence. And she comes to Phil Phillips for help because... uh, She's being blackmailed. She's being blackmailed. She has a secret. She's a Ima. I'm a sexual Ima. What's that? It means if Ima get next to it, Ima gonna fuck it. And, like, this was the first time we looked at each other like... Oh, oh, no. It has some of the other trappings. It's got, like, a good cop, some bad cops, mm-hmm. um, the long-suffering police chief, mm-hmm. the sweet secretary, 
the old flame. Yes. It, I mean, it leans really hard into these tropes. Yes. Uh, the main deviation is that Phil Phillips used to be a police officer, which is not the deviation, but that his former partner was female. Yes. That's the main deviation. Yeah. That, that is the main deviation. Um, Connie Edwards, who is the Melissa McCarthy role. Yes. Phil Phillips used to be a police officer and was booted off the force in disgrace for reasons we find out later. Yes. And Connie Edwards was his partner. Yeah. Before we go so deep into this, yeah. uh, there's something I noticed about Connie Edwards. Yes. Is one of the things that, that's constantly happening is she's constantly being mistaken for a man. Yes. She also goes by an, a man's name. Like, her name is Connie Edwards, but everyone calls her Edwards. I know her name is Connie from the IMDb page. So, it's very interesting. Like, I wasn't sure what they were trying to prove with this, but they make sure that every character confuses her for a man. It's uh, it's kind of an interesting... It's something they do to Melissa McCarthy, it seems like, in these yeah. parts, is Melissa McCarthy never really gets to be feminine mm -hmm. in a classical sense. They kind of always jump to uh, kind of masculinizing her. Yeah. And you see that in, like, Spy. You see that a little bit in Bridesmaids, where she's, like, the crass bridesmaid. Gotcha. Yeah, okay, I get and you. And part of it is very Tammy. much... I mean, and part of it is very much, like, Hollywood has never quite figured out what to do. With a more plus size yes. actor, mm -hmm. we see this a lot with Rebel Wilson as well. Right, in that they don't know how to put her as a romantic lead. Uh, Isn't it romantic? Is about to come out. Yes, and that's a movie in which Rebel Wilson is the romantic lead. And yeah. I'm like intrigued to see that, but also think it's a movie that we could end up watching next year for this. Yeah, very true. Um, <laughs> uh, so I, I need to talk about the scene at the porn shop. So. Yes, okay. Uh, so, to investigate who's possibly blackmailing uh, uh, Miss White, uh, Phil Phillips goes to a porn shop to try to find uh, some evidence. And, because it's one of these movies and a porn shop needs to be in it. Right. He's in the back going through files and... Uh, because the porn shop owner keeps files of everything everyone has bought. Yeah. Which is a thing I found funny. Yeah, I mean, it's it's also very, like, detective stories. Like, of course I have all these files, and of course you can see them. Uh, now, there's a loud porno going on in the background, so Phil doesn't hear when someone in a cloak shows up with a shotgun, blows the head off of the store clerk, and one of the members of the Happy Time Gang, Mr. Bumbles, I think is there? Oh. Bumbles. It's, it's definitely Bumbles. I don't know if it's a mystery. Bumbly Pants. Bumbly Pants, yes, is there. And uh, finds... <laughs> he's, like, freaking out, and he says, like, oh, I wish I didn't find this arousing. And then, because <laughs> he's wearing a trench coat, glitter kind of comes out of it. Like glitter slime? Like the stuff your glitter niece got slime. for Christmas? What do you think that was meant to imply? I thought it was meant to imply... That he was, like, scared and he peed himself. Okay. I, I, I was wondering if you thought he came. Because that's what I thought originally. He then also, like... Drops eggs. Voids his bowels, yeah. yes. Uh, but he the, this cloaked figure blows the head off of the uh, store clerk. And it's a puppet, so it's, like, 
fluff everywhere. Yeah. Blows it off to pornographic actors and Mr. Bumbly Pants. And when this happens, I scream, Whoa! Despite the fact that the only human in the shop at the time, nothing's happening to him. The human and the dog? That's a video. Oh. <laughs> they're, they're not actually there. Okay, I missed, I missed that it was not happening. Uh, but, but the fact that I had that guttural, like, stomach-churning uh, feeling towards what is effectively, you know, a puppet yeah. being killed... Really shows how effective the film is at this point. Yeah. Because, like, it could just be a cheap laugh of, like, look, it's puppets dying. But I did have that motion of, like, oh, damn it. And the human actors actually do sell it well. When the cops show up, one Mm. of the cops walks in, visibly gags and wretches. Yeah. And it actually does sell the moment really well. Mm Mm-hmm. So, like, it's... It actually felt extreme to me. Yes. And I was like, that's weird that I have this feeling here. Yeah, it's, um, so that's the first murder. Yes. Because, um, you know, Sandra White is being blackmailed, so he's investigating who might be blackmailing her at the porn store. And that's when he runs into the guy. And, um, that's when he runs into Bumbly Pants, and then everyone is murdered but Phil Phillips because he was in the back and he didn't hear it. Yes. And then this is when I start to notice something. What is that? When the cops show up, we meet Edwards and her establishing character moment is that she hates puppets and she's a racist toward puppets. Mm-hmm. And Edwards is played by Melissa McCarthy, who is white. Yes. You also see, I have to look up the character's actual name because he's not Stanley Hudson. He's, yeah, but it, he's played by Stanley Hudson from The, uh, office. the office. Um. Which is not his real name. It's not. I, I, I know a lot of people from The Office, they just use their real names. The actor's Stanley's name is own. Leslie David Baker, mm-hmm. and he plays Lieutenant Banning. Yes. Uh, I can't promise I won't call him Stanley Hudson. Yeah. Um, so, Stanley Hudson, Lieutenant Banning, uh, is compassionate toward Phil Phillips, and is kind to him, mm-hmm. and... As everyone who has seen The Office knows, um, Stanley is black. Yes. This sets up something I start to notice in the film of the actor, the characters who are played by people of color are always more compassionate. Yeah. Than the white characters. Yeah. And I think that's a very interesting choice. It's an interesting choice that's never really, like, they don't draw attention to it either, Mm -hmm. which I find very interesting because they could have actually gone way more ham-handed. No, they, and they, they keep don't. it light, which I think is very well done. Because um, later when we meet uh, Larry, who plays Officer Shenanigans, uh, Larry is Phil Phillips' brother. Yes. The P.I. And uh, Larry is with his girlfriend, or a lady he is seeing. Yeah. And she is an Asian American woman. Mm-hmm. So this kind of sets up this, like, interesting racial divide. Yeah. It's very interesting, and I find uh, Officer Shenanigans to be the most interesting character. Okay. Officer Shenanigans or Larry? Larry. Larry. Uh, Larry Phillips. Uh, Because uh, since his time on the Happy Time Gang, he's gotten a new nose. Yes. And uh, later on when he's in the hot tub with his girlfriend, first off, I find it fascinating that he's in a hot tub. 
Yeah. Like, I, like I said, fabric. Like, how is this happening? Found it utterly fascinating. He was in a hot tub. His girlfriend says something like, you used to be so blue. He's like, yeah, but, uh, you know, half a gallon of bleach and here I am. He's like, well, you look better now. Like this whole idea of, and we don't get to spend a lot of time with this character, but he's doing everything in his power to look like a human. Yeah, I mean, it's evocative of colorism. Yeah. Because um, I, I was reading about how um, it's much harder for actors with darker skin, even, like, even uh, black actors with lighter skin have an easier time than black actors with darker skin. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amanda Stenberg very famously turned down the role of Shuri in Black Panther because she felt it should go to a darker-skinned actress. But oh. the producers had gone to her, and she's fairly light-skinned. Hmm. It's just, it, I thought this was very well done. and So I- this colorism is very much like a thing that Hollywood actresses... I, I say actresses because you kind of hear about it more, mm-hmm. because um, female actors end up talking more about body image and appearance than male actors do I, in I, interviews. I wish there had been a line in it where he was the only one still working. Yeah. I mean, he's the only one that still has his life together out of the Happy Time gang. Yeah, he's the only one who, like, his life hasn't gone down a dark place. But, like, I wish he had said something like, it's opened up a lot of parts for me. Yeah. Uh, And I actually, I watched this twice. I had to watch this again. Uh, And, uh, you know, for podcast reasons. And uh, there's a line, because they go through every member of the Happy Time gang. Right. Which is... Mr. Bl- the Mr. Bumbly Pants, yes. which is the bunny, uh, Officer Shenanigans, Jenny, who's the human, yes, and that is Elizabeth Banks. Mm-hmm. There's like a pair of neighbors whose names I forget. Uh, Goober, the handyman, yes, and uh, the oh the purple fellow. <laughs> the purple fellow. Um, I'm trying to see. If I, I can... forget what his name is. Uh, in any case, the important thing. Lloyd. Lloyd, Lloyd, uh, they're watching a cast party, him and his girlfriend in the hot tub, and the two neighbor characters are making out, and Larry says, Ooh, Ezra and Kara! Those two are cousins. They're married with kids now. And then they just move on, and I realize there are very few wasted lines of dialogue in this movie. Right. Like, everything that is being said is pretty important to the plot of this puppet murder movie. Yeah, I mean, that whole little sequence, nothing is wasted. Yeah. In that, just that, um, the video of the cast party we see is important, Mm -hmm. because then we establish that Edwards used to be Phil's partner, and they come in, and they're like, Oh, here comes my brother with his partner. Freeze, police! We had a lot of complaints regarding this party! That there's not enough tequila! sexy, they both pull out tequila and start taking shots. So this established Edwards to this point has been this racist, cruel character. Mm-hmm. And she and Phillips hate one another. And this shows this time where they like enjoyed each other's company and were f- outright friends. Yeah. And then it also establishes that Phil used to be romantically involved with Jenny. Because we mm-hmm. see them kiss. Yeah. Yeah, they, 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 uh, they make out and... Uh... We get a lot of plot in this just one moment, and then this cloaked figure returns and releases the dogs. Literal, adorable, 
yeah, puppies. Yeah, they're very cute. Do- like, it's not Rottweilers or anything. They're, they're like... Like a French bulldog. And, yeah, French bulldog. And they run in and they rip Larry apart. While his girlfriend's making margaritas so she doesn't hear mm-hmm. because she's Grinding running the blender. Ice. Yeah, and uh, he gets ripped to shreds and he dies. And uh, now it's... This is the second member of the Happy Time gang. And Larry shows up distraught phil shows up i'm sorry phil phil shows up distraught and uh (laughs) stanley stops him and says like this is not how you want to remember larry which is like sucks any humor out of the like this scene yeah it's a very compassionate It's it's very real yeah uh and then here comes officer edward who says "Ooh, someone had a pinata party here and Larry attacks her and throws her in the hot tub. And with the remains of his brother. With the remains of his brother. And she bites his penis. Yes. Um, an, a really important plot point that we should mention. Please. Um, Larry and Phil have lunch and they talk about the Happy Time Gang has gotten a $10 million syndication deal. Yes. To be split among the cast members. Mm-hmm. And if a cast member dies, it goes to their significant other or their spouse yes and if they don't have a spouse they don't have a spouse it goes back into the pot yes so it just gets split amongst the remaining members which is now providing a motive for the this is why we start thinking about these as murders and not horrific accidents because now two members of uh the happy time gang have been brutally murdered yes uh and i i do want to take a time out here because uh, they were each going to get $1.4 million, basically. Yes. Something like that. Uh, 1.4, some other numbers. If one of them died, that would go up to $1.6 million. Right. That doesn't seem like enough money to kill someone. Except and th- when you establish how down and out mm-hmm. everyone but Larry is, you can kind of almost understand, like, $200,000 is... A t- people have killed for much less. Well, what I'm sa- I wanted to ask is, when I heard $10 million, I was like, that is a ridiculously low number. Yes. Like, for something that's supposedly a hit show, for you to be waiting to get $10 million to be spread amongst, you know, seven people. I mean, like, the cast of Friends were making that an episode. Yeah, I mean, the cast of The Big Bang Theory makes that an episode. Yeah, so it was, I thought it was very interesting that they picked kind of a ridiculously low number, considering. I sort of thought we were going to hear that Jenny was not involved in the deal. I, yeah, Jenny was my number one suspect at this point. Yeah, because, well, I thought we were going to find out that actually Jenny wasn't, Jenny had a $10 million deal alone. Yeah. I, I thought at this point that Jenny, who's the human played by Elizabeth Banks, was going to be independent of this. Mm-hmm. Um, so then they're kind um Lieutenant Banning, almost called him Lieutenant Hudson. Mm-hmm. Um, Lieutenant Banning uh, assigned Edwards and Phil Phillips to work together. Yes. Because um, he believes Phillips that these are murders. Mm-hmm. So he kind of forces Edwards and he brings Phillips on as a consultant. Yes. Uh, so they Which is a way to get around the fact that he's no longer a police officer. Yes. Uh, they end up splitting up. 
so that because uh, oh no, first we have the scene with the producer. Oh, okay. He's the uh, producer behind the ten million dollar deal. Yes, yes, which is uh, Michael McDonald. Ma- Michael McDonald. There's a Stuart. lot of like names in this movie. Yeah, a lot of hey that dude mm-hmm. in this movie. Um, he is a horrible puppet racist. Yes, and Edwards agrees with him. But I start to get the feeling Edwards is agreeing with him to get him to talk. Yes, which is clear because he's trying to, Edwards tries to get Phil to like steal things, like important documents while he's distracted talking about, uh, he says something about getting a children's hospital destroyed so he could have an ocean view. Yes. Like he's a terrible person. Uh, And then he says something about, yeah, I have puppet servants at home. Uh, they get really uppity if I don't let them dance. And Phil just knocks them out uh, because he's an ass. And, like, it's uncomfortable <laughs> to hear this, like, very racist ca- talk very cavalierly done. I mean, it reminds me very strongly of minstrelsy. Yes. Of, like, the stereotype of... The, like, lazy, carefree uh, black man that used to be in, like, the late 19th, early 20th centuries that they just want to sing and dance. Mm-hmm. Um, which is kind of where blackface grew from. Yeah. Was that, like, stereotype? Uh, so, they... Like, this movie's a little bit smarter it's, than it was marketed as. It was very... It's very smart. Uh, so, they end up then going to check on Leroy? Was that his name? Um, Lloyd. Lloyd. They go check on Lloyd. Uh, Lloyd is uh, amongst criminals. Mm-hmm. And they don't like Edwards because she's human. And Phil then reveals that Edwards has a puppet liver. Yes. As a result, she can handle puppet drugs, which are just sugar. Yeah, it's a line of rock candy because puns. Yeah, so, like, uh, we find out that drugs in the puppet world are, like, bottles of maple syrup. Yeah. And and they just snort pure sugar. Yeah. Uh, and can handle it in much, uh, much stronger doses than humans can. Yes, but because of Edward's Muppet liver, uh, she can handle it. Puppet. They never, ever... They never say use Muppet. Use the word Muppet. You're right, you're right. I'm um, sorry. Excuse my slip of the tongue. Yeah, I just, I don't want it to uh, cloud some of the points to be like, oh, it's a Muppet movie. Yeah, it, it is not. They're very adamant it's not. Yes. So she snorts like a lot of sugar. Mm-hmm. And passes out momentarily and they're like, oh, sorry about your dead friend, Phillips. And then she snaps back crazy high. Yeah. So she's out of her mind. And then we find out she is a sugar theme. Yeah. Fiend. Yeah, she's got a, she's got an addiction. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Phil's trying to talk to Lloyd and you know make sure he's okay. Tries to like kind of figure out if he's involved, and then drive by shooting. We lose Lloyd. We lose Lloyd, and essentially, um, we lose Lloyd and everyone else in the scene. Just about. Yeah. Uh, and uh. There is a little scene where Edwards is totally messed up on sugar, and Phil says something like, she has a cold, she took some cold medicine. She covers for her, for Banning. Yeah. Because she's high out of her mind when Banning shows up. Mm Mm-hmm. 
So, like, it's a nice little character moment. Uh, they then need to split up. Uh, so they, they're not going after the neighbors because they're out of their jurisdiction. They live in Lancaster. Right. Oh, the other thing is, they're a big important part of that scene to me. Yeah. Was Edwards defending the female puppets. Oh, yeah. That's an awesome scene. Because uh, after she does the drugs and they've kind of like accepted her into the fold and she's playing cards with them. Uh, Junkyard, who is a giant dog, mm-hmm. refers to several female characters, especially a particular one he is clearly with, as a bitch. Right. Which is kind of a play because he's a literal... He's a dog. He's a puppet dog. Mm-hmm. And Edwards does not appreciate that word. And sort of strong arms Junkyard into apologizing to Roxy. Give him some more to lean. She never really cared for that word, you must know. You want crazy fucking bitch. Bitches be crazy. good character moment for uh edwards because it kind of shows that she defends the other female characters despite her prejudices toward puppets yes i i also took it as them saying like yeah it's a dog using the word bitch so you could make the argument that they're saying yeah it's part of how he was raised Mm -hmm. was around that word that doesn't make it okay Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, this movie's really smart. Yeah, the movie handles it. it, I wish it was a little bit smarter. Um, Really? I think that's its downfall. I think people were not expecting an intelligent film. I I disagree, but we're going to get to that. We're going to get to this. Because there's a point where I want to bring this up and we're almost there. Okay. Okay. So uh, then we got to split up. uh, And right um, I'm trying to think if this is where... Yes, this is where we split up. So Phil goes and talks to Jenny. No, before this... Oh, I'm sorry. We have to meet Miss White again. Yes, and this is actually a scene I really need to address. Okay. Uh, Miss White comes in again, and Phillips has kind of forgotten about her. Which is fine, because so did the audience. Yeah, that's kind of the point. Like, the blackmailing is very much the B-plot. Mm-hmm. And then... He said, like, this time the black... Sandra says, this time the blackmailer sent me a picture. 
and it's her with Jenny, who we have seen before now. So, like, we know this is Jenny. Yes. And they, um, there's kind of a scene where things escalate and Phil Phillips and Sandra White have sex. I think this scene kills this movie. Really? Because I, they put this scene in the trailer. Oh, I don't... Oh, no, I do remember that scene. They put the scene where Phillips ejaculates a ridiculous amount of silly string in the trailer, and I think that scene being in the trailer is what made people decide this movie was going to be terrible. Mm -hmm. I think the movie is 500% better if they had cut that scene down by 75%. I, I th- it is it turns out without giving it away yet th- they need to have sex for the plot. Yes. Oh, I'm not saying they shouldn't have sex. Uh so and it is a ridiculous thing. I would like to argue that you're right that this scene shouldn't have been in the trailer because it sets the movie to be up to be this sex crime comedy like dirty filthy like silly movie like i think people who saw that trailer is thought we're about to go watch american pie with puppets and then when they sat down they're like oh social commentary this is not what i'm here for where are my goddamn jokes see i i disagree in that i don't think the so i think the people who went in for that movie might not quite be smart enough to get the social commentary. Exactly. To them, they're just wa- waiting for jokes that never right. come. But they're not going, huh, social commentary. They're just going, where are jokes? Exactly. Um, so I, I think including the sequence in the trailer, and I do think the ejaculation scene should have been 75% shorter. It's not as funny as the movie seems to think it is. Like, it's funny that it's silly string. Yeah. It didn't need to be that long. And I think the fact that that was in the trailer, and along with uh, Goofer's conversation with Edwards, those are the two scenes I remember being in the trailer. Yes. If they had marketed it more on the noir side, I think this film would have been received better and Mm -hmm. done better. I agree completely. So, yeah, even in my notes it says, Puppets Come Silly String, it's it's a lot. We also have to address a uh, fairly, a supporting character we haven't discussed yet. Mm-hmm. who kind of uh, almost makes this scene work. Oh, And that Maya is Maya Rudolph, who uh, plays Bubbles. Bubbles, which I thought it was very odd that Phil Phillips has the most human name and the secretary has the most puppety name. Yeah, I mean, Maya Rudolph must have watched Little Shop of Horrors 36 times a day mm-hmm. for this film because she's essentially Audrey from... Yeah. She's got the same hair... Kind of a similar accent mm-hmm. to Ellen Green in Little Shop of Horrors. And very similar mannerisms. Yeah. And she is the kindly secretary to Phil Phillips, who clearly has a thing for him. Yeah. Sees past all of his flaws and is always there to clean up the messes. In this case, like a really, really literal mess. hmm And we also, in this moment, meet Agent Campbell, who is played by Joel McHale. Yes. From the FBI. Because now... Phil Phillips is the top suspect in this. Because he's been at the scene of every crime except for that of his brother. Where he showed up pretty quickly. Yes. So, uh, Joel McHale's character, Agent Campbell, 
is also a white person who is puppet racist. Yes, quite puppet racist. Um, so that these are two important characters that are kind of established in this scene. Bubbles has been established before. But, but this is where you get to know who she is. And this is the part where you really need to, like, we really need to think about her because her reaction shots for some of this almost make this scene Hilarious. work. Yeah, I, like... I, I, I like this scene. I thought it was funny. I, I I don't think it's like a masterpiece or anything, but like for what it was, yeah, I, I'll get a, it gives me a giggle. Yeah, I have no problem with puppet sex scenes. Like, yeah. uh, you can do one and win a Tony. Yeah, you can do one and win a bunch of Tonys. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think the over the top graphic nature of it, like the bodily fluids nature of it, is what makes it different than Team America. What makes it different? Mm-hmm. And I think it's that viscerality that you were talking about with the violence mm-hmm. in a sexual... Because while I was watching that scene, the thought I had in my brain was, this is not what they meant by Muppet Sex and Violence. Because that was the original name for the Muppet Show. That was, like, yeah, that was the unaired pilot. Yeah, so like, this is puppets with the violence and and sex turned up even further. Yeah, I mean, this is up to 11. Yeah, so like... Muppet Sex and Violence was pushing the envelope, and now he's pushing the envelope as well. I think that um, this movie also might have done a little better if it had come much closer on the heels of Avenue Q. If this movie had come out uh, in 2008 when we first started hearing about it, Um, then it would have been only about four or five years after Avenue Q, and I think that would have helped it more. Mm -hmm. But now, like... Uh, Avenue Q just celebrated its 15th anniversary, which, whew, now I feel old, because I saw that first run on Broadway with the original cast. Mm-hmm. Um, so, oof, I'm old. And it was really edgy at the time. Yeah. But now, 15 years down the line, there's a high school version. Yeah. Community theaters do that. Avenue Q. So, like, a lot of that edge has been filed off because, you know, puppet sex has been... In pop culture, for when uh, Team America: World Police is at this point uh, fifteen years old. Two thousand one, two thousand four. All right. Uh, ironically, that actually came out right about when Avenue Q when did. Avenue Q came out, so they kind of nailed the timing significantly more. Yeah, I will say this: I think there's a scene that kills this movie. I do not think this is it. Okay, I will let you know when it shows up. Absolutely. So now we have to split up. Yes. <laughs> uh, we have Phil Phillips goes and talks to Jenny, who's an old flame, uh, and... And she's a stripper because mm-hmm. film noir, of course, she is some variant of a sex worker. Yes. Uh, she. They show the picture that he got from Miss White. She doesn't remember her. And uh, Phil says something like, why are you so cavalier? Everyone's dead. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, I'm just trying not to think about it. Jeez. Uh, and they kind of like rekindle that that flame yeah between the them. spark between them mm-hmm. he, we establish how much he cares about her yeah and we establish uh they kiss yeah they, they share it's the line is uh jenny i'm poisoned i poisoned me and you i poisoned my career hell i poisoned every good puppet's chance of ever becoming a cop that wasn't your fault doesn't matter i still feel sick about it every goddamn day Every poison 
has an antidote. Uh, and then they kiss. And I was like, oh, that's that's nice. And then she gets into her car, starts the engine, and it explodes. And I audibly gasp. And I was like, oh, Jenny. Um, I had that moment where I was like, huh. Seems like a waste of Elizabeth Banks. <laughs> yeah, what a waste of Elizabeth Banks. That being said, Michael McDonald was in this movie for seven minutes. Yeah, I... Joe McHale might only be in this movie for seven minutes. Like, I really like Elizabeth Banks as an actress. And I actually like her a lot as a director, because see also movie 43. Um, yes. So I was really like, oh, Elizabeth Banks, no! More because <laughs> I, I tend to like her as a performer, and I wanted to see more of her. Mm-hmm. And then Edwards finds Goofer, who is the yes. handyman, in, like, a puppet flop house. Yeah, totally messed up on sugar. And uh... and this is another sequence that should not have been in the trailer. Mm-hmm. Goofer is only in this movie for about three minutes. Yeah, and he is... <laughs> this is his entire scene. <laughs> and he is very much overrepresented in the trailer, propositioning Edwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and gendered propositioning, in that... Again, we have the misgendering of Edwards in that Goofer repeatedly offers to suck Edwards' dick. Yes. I think that's the first time I've said anything objectionable on the show. Probably. probably. Um, Uh, And I thought it was very weird that uh, she says, do you want me to go for my gun? And he says, no, unless you're talking about your penis. It's Wiener in the trailer. And Wiener is funnier? I think yeah, I think it's funnier. <laughs> yeah, like I again the rules of even though it actually has fewer stop plosives. Yeah. Wiener is funnier. Well, it's like he 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 used the clinical term. You couldn't use that on television? You can't say penis on television? Yeah. So I I just thought that was that took me out of it. Yeah, but I I disliked it because it was also a scene that was just kind of like crass for the sake of being crass and it makes more sense in context yeah when we learn that goofer is down on his luck a drug addict and very desperate for his next fix mm-hmm. it's much sadder in context yes but in the marketing it's not really you marketing it's taken out of context and it's just kind of gross yeah the marketing kills this movie i'm mm-hmm. strongly of the opinion that you could recut this trailer and sell this movie much more I agree. I agree completely. Uh, And then uh, we do get a bit of a clue from Goober. Mm -hmm. Because Goober just starts talking about the wife. Yeah, he snaps in and out of lucidity. Mm -hmm. And uh, this... We're running out of suspects because everyone's Because we're running out of happy time. So so basically at this point I'm thinking it's probably not Goober because he's... Too messed up to do anything. He's too messed up. It could could either be Goober has a wife, it could be one of the dead cast members has a wife, or it could be the couple that we know. Uh, At this point, I also kind of had the thought of, like, Larry's girlfriend. Oh, okay. Because she was a character we met, Mm -hmm. and it's not uncommon in murder mysteries to have that, like, one-scene wonder, and then... Uh, I embarrassed myself horrifically once. Uh, I saw curtains on Broadway. 
and I was a teenage... I'm Laura. I go to Broadway. I see all the shows first run with the original cast. This is, like, literally, like, two of the only shows I saw first run with the original (laughs) cast. Yeah, but they both came up during this podcast. Hashtag humble brag. Um, Yeah, when my mommy was paying for my tickets, I went to see more Broadway shows. Right, right. uh, When I was a teenager, and I I was a teenager, so I stage-doored, which I don't do anymore, because now I kind of see the creepy aspects of it. And the guy who was the killer in Curtains, I talked to him after the show and I was like, I knew it was you. You had a really small part and you were like in two scenes and you came out in the end and you killed everybody. <laughs> so I told a Broadway actor to his face, <laughs> you had a really small part and you were not important. <laughs> nice. So Nice. He was <laughs> Lin-Manuel Miranda. No! Oh my God, don't, don't put that into the universe. Uh, no, every stage door story I have involves me humiliating myself in some fashion. So that's that's the other reason I don't stage door anymore. Not because I grew out of it. Yeah, as you're much bad as at it. <laughs> I humiliate myself. Uh, so, but that's why I thought it was the girlfriend. Yeah, okay. um, that makes sense. That's good. That's good sleuthing. Uh, so then, go uh, tell her that to her face now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the cops show up when the car explodes, and like they see Phil. So Phil runs away and goes to the only place he thinks he can hide, which is Edward's apartment. Which is essentially a slightly nicer version of a puppet flop house. Yeah, she's totally hooked on sugar as well. She's blacked out. So Phil cleans and falls asleep. And then we see the infamous event. We see what got him thrown off the force. Yes. Uh, We see uh, a puppet had a gun to Edward's head. And they were begging, and Edwards is begging Phil to take the shot. And before, uh, we we found out that Edwards had testified that Phil had missed on purpose. After we find out that Phil was an expert marksman. Yeah, he he had missed on purpose uh, because he didn't shoot puppets. But we're now seeing what really happened. And Phil took the shot, and he just happened to miss and like he's it's very close and he it, they do a good job like showing the bullet they do like the slow motion bullet time and it hits a concrete pillar the bullet ricochets and kills a man in front of his purple haired daughter yeah he kills a adult male puppet in yeah. front of his puppet daughter and it's legitimately horrifying yeah the little girl is screaming like daddy wake up mm mm-hmm. mhm and then uh, Edwards goes for the gun, and this criminal puppet shoots Edwards in the stomach. And Edwards, before she, like, passes out, kills this criminal. Like, it's legitimate. There's no gags in this part. No. It's legitima- legitimately horrible. Yeah, and then, like, Edwards, um, Phillips rushes Edwards to the nearest hospital, which happens to be a puppet hospital. Mm-hmm. And the doctor tries to turn Edwards away because he's she's a human and they don't help her. Mm-hmm. And uh, Phillips pulls a gun yes. on the doctor and says, "Like you'll save her, or die trying." Mm-hmm. And th- and that's when I realized the puppet liver wasn't a joke. Yeah, because I actually thought it was a gag in no, the initial she has scene. A puppet liver, and I think this this is my second place for scenes that might have killed this movie for audiences. Because there are no gags. This is a really horrific scene telling 
part of this story in this world that feels very real at this point. Yeah. Like, people who went to see The Happy Time Murders were leaning more towards The Happy Time and not so much on The Murders. Right. So, like, I think a lot of people feel like, this isn't what I'm here for. Yeah, like... Like, I don't want this character moment. Like, to go back to Avenue Q a little bit, because Mm -hmm. I think Avenue Q kind of needs to be brought up as the other big adult puppet-related media. Mm -hmm. Uh, Avenue Q subverts the Sesame Street format, but always subverts it for laughs. Yeah. Even the things that are um, sadder or more realistic, like a breakup Mm -hmm. and whatnot, uh, and even, like, racism toward monsters in that case, uh, they're consistently played more for laughs, and even the more realistic things are pretty low stakes. Mm-hmm. There's never a life or death moment. There's never anything addressing institutional racism or police brutality the way this movie mm-hmm. addresses. Yeah. Those, um, this is the weirdest, most cerebral puppet conversation I've had in mm-hmm. at least a year. <laughs> but it's, it's only been a year for a month. <laughs> no, I meant at least a, you know, 12 month year. Oh, okay. But. This addresses these higher stakes issues, uh, police brutality, murder, institutional racism, mm-hmm. where Avenue Q is like commitment issues yeah. and like casual racism, mm-hmm. more of like the microaggression type of racism. So Avenue Q is very funny because it stays very low stakes. Mm-hmm. Happy Time Murders goes for higher stakes. And yeah. I think it, in some ways... The tonal shifts don't quite nail it. And we'll yeah. talk about that a little more at the end. When we're yeah. like, I, I got some more stuff to say along those lines. Yeah, when we get to the ending. Uh, I think I think I want to speed up what we're talking about a little bit. Uh, Goober dies. They find him in the ocean. Yeah. He's dead. So we have to go to... The desert. And- the desert. and Because all that's left are the cousins that are married. And we do have an important character moment here. Yes. When they get out of the car, Edwards has kept... Phillips's old flak jacket that says police mm-hmm. and she calls him partner. Yeah. So like they're really growing as, uh, <laughs> as a team, they, uh, go inside and they hear screams and it's these deformed children because they're cousins. And if you had forgotten that, cause that line was an hour ago, this is a really confusing moment. Yeah. So we have, And when you say nothing is wasted, I do feel like the sequence is, like, not the sequence, but Mm -hmm. the fact that they were an incestuous marriage and have two Muppet, or puppet, inbred children together. Mm -hmm. The puppet inbred children don't really factor in very much. It, It felt a little unnecessary, but... If they were more important to the plot and more important to the payoff... Mm hmm but really, it felt like they were like, look, puppet incest. This is for adults. I didn't feel like that at all. I felt like it just made it scary. Because, like, they, like, there's a scene where Edward walks inside and they see the backs of these children's heads. And she says, where's your mommy and daddy? They turn around. They're disformed. And one of them just screams. And I was literally like, oh, no. 
Like, I thought it, like, it made it more intense, which is not what this movie needed at this point, was yeah. to, to turn the volume up along the intensity. To me, it was evocative of, uh, there's an infamous X-Files episode called Home. Home, yes! I thought of Home as well! Yeah. Well, because you and I are fascinated by banned media. Yeah. And, uh, difficult media. That's mm-hmm. kind of where this show started from. Yeah. Is lost media, banned mm-hmm. media. And the episode Home was very famously banned from syndication mm-hmm. and was not re-aired for almost a decade mm-hmm. because of its uh, disturbing subject matter. And it yeah. hinges on uh, products of incest yeah. who are deformed. Yeah, I definitely don't get a feeling of, whoa, puppet incest. I definitely feel like, oh, God, they're monsters. And this idea of why did these two puppets end? Like, mm-hmm. what... We we don't spend much time with these two characters at all. Yeah. But you kind of get this idea of, like, well, what happened? Yeah. Kind of like, what happened? You almost wonder what happened on the set of the Happy Time Gang mm-hmm. that drove everybody but Larry into these horrific situations. Yeah. It, it's it's creepy. But I have to talk about this scene now. Yes. Uh, they're like, Phil's like, what happened? And whispers this to Edwards. Edwards is like, you don't want to go in there. We're going to call child services. And Phil goes, what? I can't hear you. He's like, what about cinnamon? Like, they keep misunderstanding each other because they're whispering. What was your thought on this scene? Um, my thought is that they don't know where the killer is. Right. They know that the killer is likely on their way. Right. If they haven't been there yet. So, like, you don't want to announce yourselves Mm -hmm. this is also clearly meant to be this like sort of stereotypical like redneck hillbilly situation Mm -hmm. so i thought that like uh this was going to be like culty right i'm i'm talking specifically about the bit where they can't understand each other because they're whispering uh i thought it felt a little mel brooksy Okay. Um, and I didn't... I thought it was kind of dumb. I I feel like this was unintentional, but what I got out of this was puppets can't read lips because they don't have lips. <laughs> That's pretty funny. So, of course, if you whisper to a puppet, they're not going to know what you're saying. And if you're a puppet whispering to a human, it's just they're not going to know what you're saying because you don't have lips. Huh. So I thought it was brilliant. And then... At that moment, you're like, this is dumb. And I was like, I might be drawing too much out of this. <laughs> yeah, I kind of felt like it was a pacing thing. Mm-hmm. Of They needed to add a little more time to the scene to ratchet up the tension. Right. Because then they, like, they find the kissing cousins dead in bed together. Yeah, so now the entire Happy Time gang is dead. Yeah. Uh, and Phil walks out and is arrested by Joel McHale. Yeah, it is a standoff because obviously... Uh, it's not really a genius thing to be like, well, there's only two surviving members left. If Phillips is the killer, he'd be going. And Phillips does kind of have this idea of, like, a motive of mm-hmm. members of the Happy Time gang. You know, he no one knows he rekindled his relationship with Jenny right before she died. Right. Um, I, I think it's kind of established that he doesn't have a great relationship with Larry. Like, they're brothers and they loved each other, but they yeah. don't have a great relationship. Yeah. 
Uh, they do a thing that's like my pet peeve. We were talking about this when the movie was airing. My pet peeve of they call each other. One of them calls the other little brother. Yeah. And I always think there's better ways to establish siblings mm-hmm. than, hello, brother. Yes. Hello, brother of an older age than I am. Yeah. I always find that to be like kind of slightly bad writing. Yeah. Uh, so they arrest him and they have a, a witness to, to give it away. And who is it? It's Mrs. White. Yeah. It's Sandra White who um, at this point ta- has told Edwards that... Phillips was having an affair with her and that she was married to Jenny. Mm -hmm. And Phillips obviously had an affair with her that Mm -hmm. Campbell saw. Yeah. Because Campbell was in the office and literally saw them in the act. Yes. There's no denying that. And this is when I figured out the ending. Yeah. Well, she also reveals that she's married to... I said that. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Yeah, I said and she's married to Jenny. You said it fast and I missed it. Sorry. Um... (laughs) She says she's married to Jenny. She says she's having... And she's framing Phillips. And this is when I realize who Sandra is. Yes. Uh, She also does a basic attraction gag where we see that her uh, pubic hair does not match her her red red hair. hair. Yes. Her pubic hair is purple. Mm -hmm. Like the purple-haired little girl Mm. whose father Phillips killed. Yeah. So, (laughs) Lara figures it out immediately. (laughs) And I yell it because I wanted to make sure that everybody knew. Yes, our upstairs neighbors are where, and, uh... <laughs> Oof. <laughs> the things they have heard me shout in yeah. reference to television shows. So, we have a sequence where Campbell and Edwards have a confrontation. Mm-hmm. Where Edwards tries to clear Phillips's name, and Campbell uh, accuses her of being favorable toward puppets because of her liver. Yes. Uh, and then, uh... Then we have a scene with the surprise hero of the film. Yes, Bubbles. Bubbles picks Edwards' locks, establishing that everyone breaks into Edwards' apartment. Mm-hmm. And Bubbles pleads with, pleads with Edwards, saying, like, we're the only two people who can save Phillips. Yes. They then go on a wild, like, misadventure. Like, it's just the two of them, and this is where they get to do improv. Yeah. Because they're both just very silly and funny as they search through... Uh, the apartment. Of... Yeah, this is very madcap, silly. Yeah, and they find all this evidence of how uh, I always forget her first name. Miss Sandra. Sandra had planned everything out, like marked off everyone she was going to kill. There's pictures of Phil's with her eyes, with Phil's eyes ripped out. That like, say die on them. Say die. It's the stereotypical mm-hmm. room full of crazy. Yes, uh, but there's also a tape recorder that says play me and bubbles plays it and it's a tape that says cuff fucking boom and all the evidence goes up in a fire yeah it's a trap it's like a it's booby trapped so mm-hmm. that it destroys all the evidence and ostensibly keeps sandra from so uh edwards has the or ha- saw the evidence can't prove phil's innocence so we have to get him out so uh Edward shoots him, and they escape in an ambulance. Yes. And they're heading to the airport, because they want to try to catch Sandra before she leaves. Yes. Uh, Phil says he's going to do it alone, handcuffs Edwards to the steering wheel of the ambulance, goes in to catch Sandra, and uh, just as he's like, he apologizes for... Mm-hmm. 
killing your father, says it was an accident, says he lives with that guilt, and uh, that's not good enough for Sandra and her wife. Yes. Because now it turns out Jenny was alive and set up Phil along with Sandra. And I think this is kind of dumb. I mean, it is very noir that the old flame... It is, but like a single line of dialogue about how she doesn't like Phil or something that Phil did to her that ruined her life would have been great. And like that reveal happens. Sandra says, like, I think the the reveal happens. And then in four lines, it's can't you see that she's manipulating you? Shoot him, honey. And then Jenny goes, ah, can't we just leave him alive? I mean, we're pretty much scot-free. And Sandra hits her with a briefcase and says, I want a divorce. Like, that twist lasts three lines before it's disposed of. Yeah. So that that's when I was just kind of like, eh, unnecessary and could have been done better. Absolutely. Though, credits to the movie, it explains why when he talks to Jenny... She's very cavalier. She actually doesn't have reason to be afraid. She's planning this. Yeah, she's in on the, uh, you know, she's in on her own attempted murder. Mm-hmm. She fake. She's in on the faking of her own death. Mm-hmm. So she's chill because she's not actually in any danger. Yes. So, uh, <laughs> they, they're, a team of people show up. Yes. I don't know who these people are. Uh, but they're going to throw Phil into a jet engine. The stereotypical heavies. Yeah, the henchmen show up. And Edwards rips off the driver's we- uh, the driving wheel. Steering, steering wheel? Steering wheel. And saves Phillips. And uh, they're going to go bust Sandra. And wouldn't you know it, Sandra gets a gun to Edwards' head. And Phil has to take a shot to save her life. Yeah, which is, you know... Pretty classic cop movie, action movie trope. Yeah. And this time, he makes the shot. Yes. Uh, and then they go super happy ending. Yeah. Uh, we don't really see what happens to Jenny. Yeah. Ostensibly, Jenny she, vanishes into the ether. I mean, Jenny is ostensibly arrested. Yeah. Because she's an accessory in all of this and really the only living culprit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we never really get a motive for Jenny. Yeah. Outside of being married to Sandra. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Lieutenant Banning is super happy that Phillips is cleared. Yep. Super happy that Phillips has solved the murders. Yeah. And he, uh, he has the code that puppets can no longer be cops. Mm-hmm. Because when Phillips, uh, fails to kill the puppet criminal, all, um, all, all puppets, puppets are forbidden to be cops. Which is very, um, again, that institutional racism Mm -hmm. that's something that you could see happening with say like a muslim person yeah or a trans person nowadays yeah and like at at the time i was like this kind of feels like too super of an ending like yay everyone's friends phil's a cop again he changed the laws of the world with this but we super needed it Based on what happened in this film. Yeah, he and Edwards are partners again. He asks Bubbles on a date and she is elated. Mm-hmm. Um, and they make fun of Campbell real bad. 
Yes. In, and... like, a scene that's very, obviously, like, kind of improvised and very mm-hmm. silly. And just making fun of Joel McHale. Yeah, and Joel McHale leaves in a huff. Yeah, because he's been proven wrong. And uh, Here's the scene that I think kills this movie. Okay. and Because it, it's also being shown right here. The scene that I think kills this movie is when Melissa McCarthy and Raya Rudolph find the evidence. Okay. Because I said earlier that there's very few wasted lines of dialogue mm-hmm. in this. Because they tell a very tight story. But Melissa McCarthy is known for her improv riffing loose attitude. When it switches to this like loose, loosey goosey mode, yeah, where we're not, we're no longer pushing the story forward and just kind of wackiness has happened. It's a mood whiplash. I honestly believe if this was more like Airplane, where you didn't even cast comedians, you cast like serious actors and told everyone play it straight this movie would be amazing the sequence with Maya Rudolph and Melissa McCarthy uh, feels a little bit it's got that family guy esque mm-hmm. awkward comedy yeah. that the rest of the film doesn't have the only sequences that have that too long joke awkward comedy are that and the uh, puppet ejaculation scene, yeah, which also doesn't work that well. Mm-hmm. And like, because the scene where they're approaching the door, and it takes so long for them to approach the door because, like, Maya Rudolph is making a big show of hiding behind mm-hmm. Edwards, and you know, Edwards is trying to get through, and it's these kind of like more frat packy yeah. sequences, and they they don't fit with how tight the rest of the story has felt yeah i i think this movie could have been phenomenal if it was humans are not funny ever humans are never funny puppets are funny by accident like that's how they are yeah that and that would blend into that stereotype that they're yeah. facing because like even if you did it that way you wouldn't even have to get rid of that sex scene because it could just be like that's how comic that's how puppets come it's a gallon of silly string every time yeah and, and and that's just how it is. If they made the movie like that, it would have been phenomenal. Well, the the thing is, that might be the case with puppets, but there's no other puppets in that scene outside of Philip Phillips and uh, Sandra. If Bubbles had been a re- puppet receptionist, mm-hmm. it might have worked a little better. If she had been a puppet... Maybe. Because then she could have been that world building. Yeah. She could have been that, like, no, that's normal. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I'm, now that I'm thinking about it, I think the scene with Bubbles and Edwards would have worked better. If Bubbles had been a puppet. I, I yeah, okay, I'm I, definitely there. But, like, I, I think the kind of, like, interracial couple at the end... Because it's a puppet and a human is kind of important to the story. I do and I don't. Okay. Um, because I think you could also have that be with the partnership with Edwards and Phillips. Mm-hmm. I don't think that that needs to necessarily have been the romantic relationship. Mm-hmm. And we've already actually seen a positive puppet-human relationship. Because Larry's girlfriend actually does care about him. Yeah. So we don't have this, like, yeah. all puppet-human relationships are bad. Mm-hmm. 
and you know Sandra and Jet. We we really can just deduce that Jenny is bad in relationships. Yeah, because her relationship with Sandra is bad, and her relationship. Well, she might have loved Sandra. Right. It's kind of like her relationship with Phillips was bad, and then Sandra turns on her in her relationship. Okay. So I'm not sold on the idea that Bubbles has to be human to sell the relationship aspect. I just kind of think it's nice. Yeah, I... <laughs> is, is where I'm going with that. I think if Maya Rudolph and Melissa McCarthy had had tighter... Mm-hmm. Uh, had made that scene a little tighter when they find all the evidence, I'd agree with you. But I kind of think the same beats would have worked a little better if Bubbles had been a puppet. Like, they could have kept that scene very similar to how it was. Yeah. Because it, it's... That's the scene that I think kills the movie, and it's because there's no puppets in it. Yeah. I I disagree that it kills the movie. Because when I saw it, I didn't feel like it killed the movie. I thought the marketing... Yeah, when I say it kills the movie, I'm saying it exemplifies what's wrong with the film. Okay. Uh... But yeah, I definitely think the marketing is a major problem and things like that. And uh, I, I'm just, I'm going to go off. I'm okay. going to do it right now. All right. This is a stay tuned for me. I love this movie. I think it's great. I think it's smart. I think it's very well done. And this is the best Razzie film I've ever seen. I, you, we saw Action Point in theaters. We did. There's, this is this movie is not better than is not worse than Action. Point. Oh, this movie's considerably better than it's Action Point. It's way better than Action Point. Uh, for for them to tell me that this movie is worse than Fifty Shades Three blows my mind. I think this movie is very well done, and I think I could see why people would have like, oh, it's gross and crass and all this other stuff. If you took this plot. You removed all the puppets and made them humans. It's no grittier than the film 8mm. Right. Like, this is what that genre is. And they're doing it with puppets. That's the point. It's noir. Yeah. So it might not be what they promised because you kind of thought it would be funnier. But if they marketed it as that, like, that's clearly what they were going for. And they did that amazingly. Yeah, I mean... Caveat, I also really like the movie Bright. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I I would say this film is flawed. I would not say this is a great movie, but I, I would say this is a good movie. Mm-hmm. And I would say this kind of has this idea, this might turn out to be a cult hit in five years. I, I certainly hope so. This is a movie I could absolutely see finding an audience. Mm-hmm. When this hits cable and they do have to center it a bit, I think it'll get more eyes on it. I agree. I do think if you chop down the ejaculation scene a little bit, mm-hmm. and if you aren't marketing it on goofers, yeah, very brief appearance, mm-hmm. I think that this this trailer killed this film. I, I think that's the biggest problem. It is by no means the worst movie of the year. Because we're, we're going to be thinking about what makes a Razzie movie a lot this month. Yeah. Because we were actually really blindsided by a lot of the Razzie nominees this year. Because mm-hmm. we, I mean, obviously we've been discussing what we think will get Razzie nominations since, like, November, December. Yeah. Uh, I went and, like, went to the dentist, and while I was, like, getting my teeth cleaned, I was thinking about when 
all of the Razzie movies in 2018 or 2017, the 2018 nominees Mm -hmm. had come out. And I was like, this was like in September. And I was like, oh my God, all the nominees had come out already. So I was like really thinking like, what's going to be? And I really, I was thinking about, I feel pretty. Yeah. I was thinking about action point. Mm hmm. Fifty Shades, of course. Yeah, we thought that was a shoe in just because yeah. we thought they'd go for the whole trilogy. Yeah. Nomeo and Juliet came out in 2018. Um, no, Sherlock Gnomes came out. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Sherlock Gnomes. That's what I wanted to remember. Not better. Um, but I think one of the big things is what makes a movie a Razzie movie? Mm-hmm. What makes a movie the worst film of the year? And I think one of them is just how high profile the bomb is. Yeah. And I, I think when we get to Holmes and Watson, if we are able to, because we're actually having, we're having trouble getting a hold, a hold of that. Because uh, it's not on DVD yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gotti is and Winchester's on Netflix. And Robin Hood will actually be released during February. We're kind of in that weird spot with Holmes and Watson where it is not out. It's. Pretty much out of theaters. I'm sure if we found a second-run theater, mm-hmm. but I, I don't have a second-run theater near me that I can find. And it's not on DVD yet. Yeah. Or streaming. So we don't really have a way of getting it right now. Mm-hmm. So we... We're trying. Yeah, we're we're looking to see if we can find a second... That's going to be real awkward when I show up there with like my notebook. Mm-hmm. Hey, guys! I mean, I'll be the only person in the theater besides you, so who cares? It is my personal, my beliefs of what makes a bad movie do not line up with the Razzies. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because the year that uh, Movie 43 was nominated, I said that that was the best of the five. And it won Worst Picture. Because to the Razzies, the people who vote on these things, like, that had the most celebrities in a bad movie. Right. But that movie is exactly what it promises to be. Like, if if you pay someone $5 to punch you in your face, when, it, when your nose hurts, you only have yourself to blame. Right. So, if a movie delivers what it promises, it can't be the worst film. This movie, I feel like, misrepresented itself. Yeah. But I think what it is at its core is good. Yeah. I I mean, I agree. It's definitely... Got some really, really strong aspects to it. Mm-hmm. It's got some really fun things about it. Yeah. It's not a bucket of laughs. If that's what you're going in there hoping for, it does fail in that department. There are laughs in it, but like, it's mostly just grit because it's a crime drama. Now, uh, this dovetails into there was some. Uh, controversy about a whether this was ripping off another uh, show that ran only five episodes in 2014. We talking about Greg the Bunny? No. We're talking about The Fuzz. What the hell's The Fuzz? When a string of violent drug-related crimes rock the seedy Puppet Town neighborhood... Herbie, a puppet cop, must work together with his hapless human partner, Sanchez, to track down the culprit. What? <laughs> yeah. This was in 2014. Um, this got some attention because my crazy ex-girlfriend's Rachel Bloom is in this show. 
And I, I kind of wanted to drop this on you on air because I it's fun to do that to who you. Who aired this? Uh, I haven't found who aired it yet. I found some trivia. I'm going to look into it right now. Um, but a lot of people felt that this movie was kind of ripping off the... Because whenever these sorts of things come out, uh, people get mad. Like, people will dig up older media mm-hmm. and be like, well, you know, this is really ripping off this other thing. I can't find how it aired, but I can, like, I'm just doing a quick and dirty uh, YouTube search. It does look like it mostly was done as a film. Like, it was five episodes. It was the stereotypical five-episode pilot strung together as a movie. Huh. Very interesting. Well, that'll be a future episode for sure. Yes. Because Puppet Month has been something we've been talking about. Yes, it absolutely is. So so what was your rating on this one? Uh, to me, this is a stay tuned. Like I said, there's a lot, there are significant flaws to this movie. Yeah. I would not be like, well, this shouldn't get a Razzie, this should get an Oscar. But I don't think it's the worst film of the year. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think it's as bad as movies that didn't get nominated because they were lower profile bombs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I looked into it. Rotten Tomatoes had at least five or six zero percent films. Yeah. This got a 22 percent. I, I think it's it was a good movie. And like there are parts of this movie where I just stared at it when I don't know how this is happening. Like. There's a part where you see Phil running towards the camera, and I was like, that is a six-year-old in a costume. That yeah. is the only way that that is possible. And no, it is three really good puppeteers working as a team. Yeah. I mean, it's such an it's such an issue that the marketing... Because critics... Like, critics go in with preconceptions. Yeah. I imagine once they saw this trailer, critics were probably out to hate this movie. Yeah. Because honestly, we were all aboard the hype train for this film. Mm-hmm. Until those trailers dropped. Yeah. And we saw the trailer and I was like, oh, this is going to be... This is not going to be good. Mm-hmm. And it's a smarter movie. And it was a, you know... I, I read the Reddit thread for our movies. Uh, every week, our movies does box office week. Right. And I read these religiously because I'm a weirdo. And a lot of people said they were interested in the idea of the Happy Time Murders until they saw the trailer. Yeah, and I, the trailer is purposely hiding how intelligent of a film it is. And they were talking about how, you know, you can market, you can polish a turd with a trailer mm-hmm. and the Classic example of that is Suicide Squad. Yeah. If the Suicide Squad movie had been as good as the Suicide Squad Bohemian Rhapsody trailer, we'd have had a good movie. Let me tell you how good this movie is. Every year, I watch the Razzie movies. I watch all five, and I tweet my experiences. I was so engaged in this film, I never tweeted about it. Because I didn't want to miss anything. Because I liked the movie. I chose not to tweet about it purely because I 
since we're doing Stay Doomed now, and we mm-hmm. hadn't been before, since we're doing each film as its own episode, I kind of didn't want to essentially run through and tweet the whole thing and then be like, oh, now we're going to talk about all those tweets you saw already. Because this is going to come out, like, in two weeks, so. This comes out Monday. Oh. <laughs> what are you talking about? Huh. It'll be February. Yeah. <laughs> Edit point. So, so that that's going to do it for our episode on the Happy Time Murders, unless you have any more research you wanted to bring up. Uh, no, I, I was looking into Henson Alternative, and they actually mentioned... Um, an influence being another neo-noir with uh, dark secrets on a children's show. Okay. Your buddy and mine, Smile Time! Smile Time? The Angel episode. Oh, yes! What a great episode of Angel that is! And how uh, that was clearly a reference. Like, there was clearly... Like, that was... Like, an clearly an influence, yes. Yeah. And, I mean, they're the same people who made the... The same people made the puppets. Hence an alternative. Pretty much, if you see the Muppet-style puppets... Yeah. ...in something that's not kid-friendly, it's hence an alternative. Yeah. Uh, they did... Curi- if you see good puppets, Henson did it. <laughs> yeah, it's Curious Creations of Christine McConnell. Mm-hmm. Those puppets are hence an alternative. And I really think there would be some really great stuff... I mean, I pulled up the Henson Alternative page, and, like, I'm going to be digging through here to see what what kind of one-season wonders we might be able to find here. Yay! Uh, what are we doing next week? Uh, next week, we are watching... You can check this movie out on Netflix. Winchester. I will have to get over my uh, object hatred of horror films. Yeah, usually horror films do not get Razzie nods. Which is why I'm intrigued. Yeah, because... And way to go, Razzie's picking this movie and not picking The Snowman last year. Because I couldn't wait to hate that movie. I'm still <laughs> mad because, like, the week the Razzie nominations were supposed to come out, I uh, wrote on your... I fogged up your bathroom mirror and wrote, uh, Mr. Policeman, you could have saved her mm-hmm. and drew a snowman and you never noticed it. I didn't see it for weeks. It, I was really mad about that. And by the time you saw that, the joke didn't work anymore. No, it did not work anymore. So yeah, be sure to check out Winchester on Netflix. And uh, join us next week here on Stay Doom, and we'll chat about it. Laura, where can people find us? We can be found at the Stay Doomed Show at gmail.com or Facebook and Twitter at Stay Doomed. And uh, what if people wanted to see us like live? If you want to see us live, March 22nd through 24th, we will be appearing at ZenkaiCon in Lancaster, PA. What? Uh, we will be doing stand-up comedy. We will be doing Beyond the Tentacle, Fit to be Hentied. And we will be doing two brand new panels. Woohoo! First, we will be doing Walt Disney's America, which is an educational panel about uh, pretty much Walt Disney rep- how the Walt Disney Company has represented America and American culture. Mm-hmm. And... Stay Doomed Live! Stay Doomed Live! Uh, it's going to be kind of what we've learned in the first six months of Stay Doomed. And how to tell if your favorite show is not going to make it to season two. 
And uh, finally, there'll also be Cosplay Pro Wrestling, in which people that look startlingly like us will do fun things. Yes, it'll be wonderful. If you want to follow me on Twitter and get the next week's episode of Stay Doom spoilered while I'm tweeting along while watching these movies, I'm at TV's Noah. If you want to have long, in-depth conversations about uh, puppets and hence an alternative, I am at Priorities. And seriously, if you want to have those conversations, at me. Until next time, stay doomed.